and we're just about to go on the road and welcome to the mainland podcast everybody before we go on the road orlando city that is uh we've got episode number 84 for you i'm michael citro and i am the founder and managing editor of the mainland.com i am joined by pride pub specialty writer <laughs> dave <laughs> dave how you doing i'm good uh, i'm feeling very special um, as a specialty writer for specialty beers. So, yeah. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with specialty beers, I always say. Um, so, Orlando City, all we do is win, win, win. Uh, Colorado Rapids come to town the, to the Purple Palace, and they find out what a fortress it really is because they came in and only managed three measly shots and only one of those on goal Orlando City with a pretty dominating performance, although not a lot of scoring chances. Colorado dug in uh, pretty resolutely and, and tried to just defend. And in fact, in a nil-nil game in the 50th minute, they were already wasting time <laughs> with Zach McMath holding on to the ball and and uh, things like that. And, and it was uh, it was kind of ridiculous uh, when you <laughs> when you think about it. But um, you know. It was it was pretty dominating performance by Orlando City, uh, but they weren't able to break through that early chance with Antonio Nocherino, who uh, thought for a second was going to get his first Orlando City goal, but a great diving save denied him that. And then there wasn't a whole lot more in the in the way of of scoring chances, at least not on target shots, until uh, the second half with about a half hour left. Jason Christ said, "Okay." Going to unleash the beast, sent out Carlos Rivas, sent out Kaká, and uh, the entire complexion of the game changed. And from that point on, it was it was just a matter of time. And, and Rivas with a screamer to get his first of the year, and then Kaká with a little bit of a so they call them garbage goals, you know, just kind of picking up the garbage on, on the back post. And uh, a great effort by Kyle Lahren leads to Kaká with the easiest goal of his career, and it's a two-nil win for the good guys in purple. You know, uh, garbage goal or not, uh, being in the right place to get those, you know, uh, you know, not hanging back, you know, mm -hmm. so, you know, give it to him for, for doing what he was supposed to do in that, you know, he was in place to, to put that away. Uh, the other thing I was thinking is it must be incredibly exciting to be a Colorado Rapids supporter, <laughs> uh, with the style of play that they have. Uh, they didn't just, uh, uh, and one of I don't remember who wrote it, but they didn't just park the bus, but they they took the wheels off and they you know set it on fire and you know <laughs> anything they could do to just not be playing soccer. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was me actually. I, I was that you? Yeah, okay. They put boots on all four wheels, set the thing right. on fire, ripped the engine out. I mean that bus wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and no. uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a hard game to watch for long stretches. Uh, very good trapping team. They were they were inviting. Orlando players to to carry the ball into areas and then converging in numbers and it was uh, it was interesting to watch which players recognized it before it happened and and which ones like uh, for example Tommy Redding fell into it twice he fell into the trap twice in that game so um, you know depending on how much experience you have and what your you know what your um, you know knowledge of the game is and the, the way you're reading the game and and of course you know that all important experience factor you've been through it before you know decided on you know how you reacted in those situations and, and it was interesting to see which players did what and a fantastic game for scott sutter man just an unbelievable player that uh, that they've gone out and found in the swiss league i think he had a, a heck of a game uh, obviously carlos rivas was probably the most um 
I guess, influential player on the game. But, uh, you know, everybody looked like they had at least a decent game, and most of them had very good games. Yeah, it was, uh, and we've said it before, it was another one of those uh, games where the entire team does well. And, and okay, great, uh, keep doing that. Um, I, <laughs> I will never complain if I if I can't point to one person and go, oh, God, he's, you know. If everybody's continues to do that, I'm I'm going to be a very very happy uh, a fan uh, all throughout the year. I agree with you on Sutter. I mean, obviously he had a uh, incredible game. Um, Rivas, you know, we were so glad that he finally got the uh, the monkey off his back, got that first goal, and hopefully that's going to lead to just a uh, to make another Colorado reference, an avalanche of. <laughs> uh, goals going forward so um but you can see you can see the relief on 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 his face as he's running around behind the goal after he scored that and uh and and it was a total injustice that that goal was not up for mls goal of the week oh it's a joke i mean you know if you if you looked at the candidates for goal of the week and you see benny failhaber's goal which is essentially the same thing that rivas did only he was closer Right. Uh, and, and had a, a more of a quick setup pass, you know, just like a layoff uh, pass from, I think, Zussi, um at the top of the box. And Rivas was, you know, he, he was given a little pass from from Higita, but he took a took a dribble or two and then unleashed from, you know, a good probably eight to ten yards farther out than than Failhaber. So, you know, I, I would say his degree of difficulty was was more. And I don't think it was McMath. Uh, misplaying it. I think McMath just didn't have time to react with the, as much power as was on the ball. And, and it was, you're right. It, it's, it's an injustice, but you know, at the end of the day, we'll take the three points. You don't need the necessarily the, the individual accolades. It's not, you know, it's not cool for them to, to, to snub Carlos Rivas that way, but uh, you know, at least he got the goal, which is the important thing. And it ended up being the game winner. And just a tremendous strike from from the Colombian, and, and something that we've seen coming, and it just unfortunately hasn't hadn't happened yet. It was you know he's finding the post and and uh, just missing barely wide and that kind of thing. He's had, you know, he's you know I would say he gets a, a bad rap and he's you know he brought it on himself. He he misses very very wildly sometimes. But he hasn't done that that much this year. His, by and large, if you go back and look at his strikes and how far off they are, he's not really missing the net by as much as as he had nearly in the past. I mean, Villa misses the net at least as badly sometimes as what Rivas has done this year, and he and he's really been close on a number of occasions. And this time, he finally uh, was able to find the net and just in an unbelievable blast, for, uh, you know, in the 70th minute. Well, compared to years past, he's definitely dialing it in. I mean, yeah. he's getting the balls closer. Uh, on that particular one, that ball was moving so fast that I heard that the Orlando City Police Department, who were on hand, were reprimanded for not giving the ball a ticket. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I would say the interesting thing to me about that strike, if you go back and watch it, is the ball is not spinning at all. It's like a no. flat ball. It's just like, I don't know, he hit the, it so the, hard that the thing didn't spin. The, the, the ball was so stunned that it got hit that hard, it, it couldn't move. That's right. It couldn't spin. It couldn't do anything. It just it just lay there flat in the air and just took the ride. It was unbelievable. Exactly. So a heck of a, a heck of a goal. Um, I also felt like, you know, maybe uh, MLS did, didn't really give Orlando a lot of credit for playing a, a, a last place team because don't. The only 
person who appeared on the team of the week was a in a reserve role. Uh, Scott Sutter made the bench for the team of the week, and I, I felt like uh, another outstanding game by Specter. And 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 I thought the defensive midfield had a really good game, and that's why Colorado didn't get any sniffs at goal. Well, I'll take uh, I'll take all the uh, the snubs that they want to give us uh, when the weekend ends and we're top of the not just top of the Eastern Conference, but top of MLS. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. And as you mentioned, Orlando City uh, entered the week uh, in the in the supporter shield position, which, you know, doesn't really mean anything at the beginning of May, but it's nice anyway to, to look up and see your name at the top of the standings. Uh, so uh, six wins against only one loss, no draws yet this season. Orlando City off to, I think it's fair to say, a better start than any of us predicted. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see it coming together, especially with a, a very thick crowded fixture schedule coming up with several, uh, difficult road games, uh, starting, you know, tonight as this podcast drops at Toronto mm-hmm. FC, which is probably, been, I mean, not probably it's been a, a house of horrors for Orlando city. I mean, one draw in three trips there, uh, two very lopsided losses, nine to one goals against, uh, you know, uh, differential in the three meetings up there. And uh, Josie Altador is in incredible form right now. Um, it, it's it's going to get more difficult before it gets easier again. So, uh, you know, Toronto hasn't lost at home. Then to go to Houston, they haven't lost at home. Uh, it's going to be some serious tests for the boys in purple. But before we move on to all of that, and we'll get into that later, uh, your man of the match. I, I mean, we, we mentioned Scott Sutter, but, uh, and, and Carlos Rivas Kaká also had a, a hand in turning that game around, uh, Jonathan Spector, a good game. You know, what are your thoughts? Uh, I've got to give it to, uh, to Sutter. Uh, he, you know, just cause the entire game, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was on the entire game. He, uh, he did everything and more that you could want out of him. Um, like you said, I mean, there were so many good performances. It was, it was hard to pick. Um, so I, I went with, uh, Consistency. I would have loved to have given it to Carlos, but I figured, okay, he got his first goal. He can he can uh, eat on that for a little while, and then you know, ho- hopefully he'll, he'll he'll get something else later in the in the year, and we'll be able to give him man of the match then. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to give him my man of the match because I felt like, and this was a, a really brilliant move I thought by Jason Christ is that you you've got a team coming in. It's a hot day, 90 something degrees. Um, it, it's it's a team that is hard to break down. They're a pain in the neck to try to get scoring chances against. And you, you just battle them to a standstill all day. And then you bring on the fresh legs of Carlos Rivas. And not just fresh legs, fresh, fast legs of right. Carlos Rivas. And he just ran roughshod over them for the, the final half hour of that game. I mean, they had, they had no answer for him. He, his movement was good. He was on the field, I think, all of uh, 30 seconds before he got forward and put a ball, a dangerous ball into the box. But unfortunately, none of his teammates were there to get on the end of it. He had another one where he uh, he made an insane turn and just blew past the last defender, sent in a, a wicked cross that McMath couldn't even handle. And it bounced off his chest, went out for a, a, a corner kick. And then, of course, you know, the, there was the goal and just he just made life very very difficult for Colorado uh, you know imagine running around in the Florida sun for an hour and then having to deal with Carlos Rivas who's fresh and rested well not only that but okay uh so you you train in Colorado okay you train at altitude but I've had uh, uh friends of mine from out west uh come to Florida when it's warm and they tell me they can't breathe mm-hmm. because the air is so thick 
uh, there's so much moisture in the air here. We're used to it. I mean, you know, we go outside and we're like, okay, yeah, we're sweating, whatever. And, you know, when I go out west, to be fair, I feel like a fish out of water. I'm dry. I have to have a water bottle with me all the time. But the same goes for them. So when they come here, it's oppressive. And so, you know, no doubt that had a effect, especially, like you said, when Rivas comes in. And not just Rivas, but, you know, when Kaká comes on, the emotional lift of the captain retaking the field. I mean, just the, the fan reaction to that. I mean, he, you know, standing ovation when he, when he comes on it. And, uh, um, you know, Will Johnson going over, you know, running, sprinting over to make sure that he gives the, uh, the captain's armband to him. You know, that was uh, – Coach Christ even mentioned that he was – he didn't say anything, but he hoped that that would happen. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised that Johnson did that. I mean, he's a consummate professional. So all of that together. And so there's the – even if you just want to call it the distraction of Kaká, all of a sudden, you know, they're oh, wow, there, Kaká's back on the field. And all of a sudden, Rivas is just running past you. Absolutely. It was uh, it was a great touch, a great moment there for uh, for Will Johnson to run over and say, this is – this is Kaká's team. I've been the captain since, you know, 10 minutes into the first game, but this is Kaká's team. This is his right. team. He's the captain. There's no, you know, there's no fight over it. There's no argument over it. There's no uh, controversy. This is just the way it is, and I'm going to make sure he gets his armband back before he even walks onto the field. So exactly. uh, good on Will, and uh, it was fun. It was a fun day, a hot day, a fun day, and uh, <laughs> three points uh, more in the bag, five out of five at home now for Orlando City, the new stadium working out wildly better than anybody expected. And, um, you know, it'll be a couple of games before they get back. Uh, and then when they do, the, the competition is going to ramp up because Sporting KC is not Colorado Rapids. Yeah. So um, looking forward to that. Uh, we'll have a couple of games to break down next week with the Toronto FC match and the Houston Dynamo. Uh, both on the road, and those are going to be very, very difficult, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. Let's turn our attention to the Orlando Pride, who are winless after three games, but, man, the schedule, schedule makers did them no favors. I mean, Tom Sermani has to go to the, to the defending Shield winners yep. for the first game, and then back-to-back, he's got to play the two teams that met in the final last year, and the one that won the final on the road. So two of the first three on the road against the, the two finalists from the previous year and the Shield winners from the, the previous year. Safe to say it's harder to start a season with a more difficult task than that. Well, not only that, but uh, so the you know the first of those you have uh, you don't have Marty, you don't have Alex. Um, you okay? Yes, you've got Harris, you've got Krieger. I mean, I'm not saying that we don't have players, but um, you're you're not full strength. Um, we get Marta in and, you know, she is having an impact, uh, even though she hasn't scored a goal yet. Um, but still, like you say, going, especially on the road to, you know, those two themes. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's fairly ridiculous from a standpoint of, oh yeah, sure. You know, we, we've got a chance on that now. Yes, you've always got a chance, but your uh, the odds are against you. So that, that makes it tough. Yeah, it, it's it's very difficult to win on the road in this league, and and it doesn't make it any better when you when you have to play those two teams. Now, granted, that's not to say that that uh, Tom's reminding me happy with a three-one loss at North Carolina. Uh, the Courage are the defending champions, and they look like they've gotten better. In fact, and in, in fact, they only gave up to the Portland Thorns, I think, one shot on goal the previous week. So it's not like they're uh, a bad, you know, they're not a bad team. They're they're a very difficult team to score against. 
and they got out there and they, they took an early lead and that helped them. Uh, Camilla comes back and scores the NWSL goal of the week, her first career NWSL goal, and a nice goal, kind of reminiscent of Carlos Rivas's goal, only from the other mm-hmm. side. Yep. And uh, she blew it past and, and tied the thing at one. And uh, again, bad, a little bit of bad luck and a little bit of bad hand positioning. Laura Alloway handles the ball in the box and it's a penalty. And now North Carolina's got two and um, and then they, they added a third and, and uh, just an insane save from their goalkeeper to to deny Chi right. uh, a goal. And, 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 you know, you mentioned Marta. She gave Kristen Edmonds what looked like a sitter and, and Kristen missed the net with it. And it's 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 not been sharp in the final third for sure, uh, but it should get better, hopefully. Well, now, you know, as we mentioned, you know, last week, uh, you know, Marta just got here. OK, so now she's had a week in two days. Yeah. Um, so uh, that will come together better and there'll be better opportunities when they're not playing one of the best teams in the league right. um, where they'll, you know, uh, the pressure won't be as, as much, you know, give it to them. I mean, you know, with Camilla getting in there, you know, getting it to one, one, okay. Unlucky on the penalty kick to go down to one. It took to the 70th minute before it went down three, one, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, it, I kind of feel that the, the, the score looks worse than it was. Um, you know, not that, not that it was necessarily great, but you know, three-one sounds devastating. But when you figure that one of those is off a penalty kick, off of an Aaron, you know, handball. Okay, so uh, not not quite as bad as all that. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, they they would have liked to take. You know, I mean, um, Sermani even said that they need to capitalize on the opportunities if they have them. And mm-hmm. you know, they made some small mistakes, mental lapses that, um, you know, meant that they didn't. Okay, well that's part of this, you know, new team coming together. Uh, you know, as we said earlier in the year, there's a lot of new faces, so it's, it's gonna, it's gonna take some time. Yeah, but I, I think that he's probably not happy. I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying he's happy. About I, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think they can use that as an excuse. There's not that many new faces this year. Well, I, I no, think they but... should do better. And, you know, here's something that, you know, we probably need to talk about is, is, Ashlyn Harris's reaction after the game and she was she yep. was very vocal in her displeasure with the way her teammates didn't finish and 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 uh, I guess didn't protect her but you know at the end of the day when you look at that third goal directly responsible for that she she turned the ball over in her own end and it ends up in her net I mean she can't blame that on anyone else uh I I thought yeah Ashlyn Harris, you get what you get with her. She's she's going to be direct. She's going to be honest. She's going to tell you exactly what she thinks, and she's not going to hold anything back. Um, her teammates know that. I'm sure they're not bothered too much by it. But at the same time, is it poor form to say stuff like that when you directly were responsible for a goal? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Um, you know, that's uh, think of it this way. Um, you know, the locker room is 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 where that is said, you know, that's your teammates or your family. Uh, you can have those arguments, uh, internally, but you know, when you're, when you're outside of that, um, you know, your team act like a team. Now I understand the frustration, you know, Ashland is an excellent goalie and, uh, and with them not having any wins, um, and you know, her only be able to do so much because she's in goal. She, you know, she can't, go up the field and, you know, put an assist in. So can't she, well, well I guess technically <laughs> if she hits the ball far enough and then somebody knocks it in, yes, yeah, she could. Uh, but it, it, you, you get what I'm saying. I mean, it, it's so, you know, 
her being on the other end of the field that that can be that can be frustrating when uh, the uh, the scoring is not how, scoring is not supporting your your goaltending. And I'm not excusing you know like you said on that third goal you know her part of that of course. Uh, but I, I can understand the frustration. But that aside, it does not mean that you know that absolves her of her comments. I, I think you know a little bit poor form there. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, I guess time will tell if we see more of that or if, uh, you know, words have been said internally to, you know, to mend those fences. I agree with you. I don't think that the team themselves is that worried about it. They, they, they all want to win also. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they know her, so they know it's her personality. They know where it's coming from. So it's not, right. it's not going to catch them off guard or anything. Um, you know, it, it just is interesting that she did that because she is the team captain this year. So right. it's it's you know it's one of those things that makes you wonder, you know, would she have gone off like that if Alex was around, or you know, would Alex being around have mitigated that by scoring some goals? It's hard to say. I mean, any, it's it's really impossible to know. But uh, obviously, that's something that we'll be watching is is how this team comes together as a as a unit. And and, and really, Tom Sermani's got his hands full because this team hasn't won since what last July or whatever, and and. It, He's got to be starting to feel the heat because it's been a long time since his team's won a game. Right. So uh, hopefully they'll get off the schneid at, uh, but they're not. It's not going to get any easier. They're going to FC Kansas City for uh, for this week's game, and that means Becky Sauerbrunn and Cindy Larue and people like that. So uh, you know, it doesn't get any easier <laughs> before they come home. Um, but uh, hopefully they'll be able to get a point to at least and maybe three because this team really needs a victory. Yes, so, I do. Uh, hopefully a, a moment of uh, a couple moments of, of magic from Marta and, and we'll hopefully br- be able to bring three points home for Tom Sermani and the crew before they uh, return home for the following game. So um, one thing I want to talk about before we get to, we're going to talk a little bit about OCB, but I wanted to talk about some news that came out uh, this week. It's, it's actually happened today as we record this, but by the time it's listened to, it will be the previous day or later. Uh, Orlando City Stadium, big news that they, uh, you know, the stadium, the Purple Palace, the Fortress, whatever you want to call it, is going to host a World Cup qualifier in October, October 6th, which is a Friday night uh, against Panama. U.S. men's national team uh, will be in the stadium here in Orlando, and uh, that's pretty exciting news. That's uh, that's one of those it's a uh, about gosh darn time things. Uh, it, Purple Palace or not, uh, the 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 fan support um, in Orlando, you know, as we call it, the soccer capital of the South, um, should have been hosting something, anything, whether it was a U.S. men's national team or whatever. Um, there should have been you know something going on there, and so you know other than the uh, the Florida based uh, tournament. Um, so long time coming as far as I'm concerned. The fact that it's going to be in the new stadium, I think, was that a deciding factor? Obviously it was. I mean, yeah, you grass know, field. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, you know, we have no doubt about that. that that's what it is. The good news is um, it gives the opportunity to not just highlight the stadium, but also the, the base of soccer support in the town. Um, I have no doubt that, you know, there's going to be a big showing there for the, the national team. And it, it's going to uh, – it'll highlight not just the stadium itself, but, of course, the, the town as well. Yeah, and if, if a place in the World Cup still is still in the balance, then it should be a sellout. And that's that would be a record because the U.S. men's national team record 
for Orlando is 17,400. And of course the stadium holds more than that. So uh, hopefully they'll do better than that. Even if it's just ends up being a glorified friendly and, and all the spots are, are claimed by then, hopefully it'll still uh, fill up for that. That's it's interesting to see what's been going on with soccer in Orlando over the, the last couple of years in 2015, the, the, the Mexican national team got a game here against Costa Rica and also the U S women's national team uh, played at the Citrus Bowl uh, against Brazil. So those were a couple of nice things to get. But then, you know, you look back last year and you get Copa America Centenario here. And then you get this year, you get the uh, International Champions Cup and you get uh, the national, the, the NWSL championship game and you get the, the Women's College Cup and you get, you know, the U.S. Men's National Team uh, World Cup qualifier. Really starting to see that that grassroots uh, soccer fandom here in Orlando is really catching on and, and has, has, has been noticed, you know, from, from the people that get to decide where these events are. Yes. And uh, you know, obviously as we just said, the stadium helps with that. Um, It's a very, it's very visible um, uh, manifestation of that, of that support. And um, most of us, you know, in the area are, not just, you know, uh, Orlando City fans. We are also, you know, U.S. national team fans, whether it be men's, women, or under 23, under 20, uh, whatever. You know, we're going to support them all. So, uh, and and a lot of us have, you know, outside allegiances, whether it be, you know, La Liga, EPL, you know. So whenever soccer comes to town, um, if you're a soccer fan, you, I think that to have the opportunity to go, especially at the news team, you're going to have a good showing no matter what. Uh, and then you add into that the the just how beautiful the setting is, um, even if it's always going to be purple, which is fantastic. Um, it, it's I, I agree with you that it's it's going to solidify that that perception of Orlando being that soccer center. Absolutely, it's uh, it's going to be exciting. I, I can't wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get. Uh get in to the supporter section there and, and hang out with my American outlaws brethren for that game and let somebody else cover it uh, from the press box. Cause that's one, one of those that I want to get down and experience down and dirty uh, amongst the crowd. And, and, you know, just, it's going to be a pretty entertaining if it's, especially if the game has any meaning, you know, in terms of teams getting in or not getting in. Well, I, I doubt I'll be able to make it down there, but uh, I will be wearing my uh, Tallahassee uh, American Outlaw scarf in uh, support of your efforts in the stadium. <laughs> All right. Well, um, as we mentioned last week, Orlando City B went out on the road and came home with a 1-1-1 and record uh, from three games away, and that was that was a pretty nice little road trip for uh, the Young Lions. We're pretty happy with that, even though you know it would have been better to come home with nine points, but coming home with, with four is, is probably as you know, about what you could expect from it. Uh, they came home and they had a game uh, Thursday night, last Thursday night against St. Louis FC. And that was the last game for, you know, a, a good little bit. It's a, it's going to be a week from this weekend before they play again at Cincinnati. So uh, they came home, play a, a pretty good St. Louis team and uh, no goals in that one. It ended up nil, nil draw. Uh, you know, St. Louis is a pretty good team. So probably not a horrible result. And uh, I think the big takeaway for me is, uh, you know, Orlando City B had had, you know, some defending issues in the past, especially against Louisville, uh, but back-to-back clean sheets for the Young Lions. Absolutely, and and you know, I'm gonna give a little bit of that to to Bean at home. I mean, you know, after a, a, a 
what we described as a good road trip, which, okay, it was, uh, but, you know, to, to be at home, have the fan support, to be in the new stadium, that's, that's big. And like you said, you know, St. Louis, no, you know, no slouch. So to uh, be able to come out of there uh, with a point, um, yeah, we would have rather three, but to come out of there with a point after being on the road that long, um, you know, going into the break that they have right now, um, I, th- I think that's, uh, while maybe not all we want, uh, it's still a good result for the team. Yep. Now they went into their break. No, it's important to note, not everybody's breaking, but Orlando City B had had, Uh, had played a couple of more games than most of the teams in the Eastern Conference. So they were the opposite of Orlando City, which had played fewer than everybody else in the conference. Uh, But they will have a little bit of an extended break here before they play Cincinnati on the road, and that'll allow some of the other teams to catch up with some of those games in hand. Uh, OCB did go into their break in fifth place in the Eastern Conference, which isn't too bad. They're going to probably shake out about eighth or ninth again before they come back and play again. But um, really... The team has seemed to gel a little bit quicker than they did last year. It was a it was a it was a good long ways before they really started to settle in and get some results last year. This year they seem like they're in better shape. Maybe not quite scoring as many goals as they would like to, but um, you know it's there hasn't been one consistently hot player. I mean it's been like Albert Dequa here, Richie Larea there. Uh, you know a goal from Zach Carroll. Uh, you know you, you never know where the offense is going to come from. They haven't had that nice. Um, you know, like last year when they had Michael Cox scoring pretty regularly mm-hmm. and they had Haji Berry scoring when he was playing with the with the USL side. And they haven't had that this year. But um, I, I think that, you know, early on, you, you, you go to Tampa, you get beat, you, you come home and you get beat by Louisville City, who's I think probably Louisville City is the best team in the USL this year so far. And you actually heard people on Twitter and, and social media saying, you know, Anthony Pula should be fired, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we kind of scoffed at that because of his, you know, the, the reality is his job is to get people ready for the MLS and or to, for the MLS team and, and, and to prepare players to play at the highest level. And if he gets results, it's just a nice bonus. But I, I think you kind of got to hand it to the guy for, for turning around a team that, you know, played against two of the better teams in the East to start the season and figured out what he had and and made some adjustments, especially in the lineup. Because you don't see Michael Cox, who really struggled early in the year. You don't see him in the lineup. You see Albert Dequa, a very young player who's going to make mistakes, first-year pro. And, um, you know, you see him out there doing a lot of good things. But, you know, he's a young player. He's going to do some some not-so-good things when he's out there as well. And he's going to he's going to struggle to score goals sometimes. But then all of a sudden, out of nothing, he's going to, he's going to create something. So, um Got to be a little bit patient, I think, with some of the younger guys. But I think we're seeing a, a very nice mixture. I, th- I like what Jordan Schweitzer brings to the defensive midfield. I really like what Austin Martz brings uh, in the attack. He's very, uh, he's like one of those Energizer Bunny type players who just not, never stops. He's got a really great motor. Same with Riley Kraft. And um, you know they've played a variety of different shapes and a variety of different lineups. And I, I really like what Anthony Pulis is doing. Uh, well. We've gone over it time and time again, and I think that you and I will probably continue to harbor on it all year, no matter you know, especially if the uh, the the little uh, twit heads out there start you know getting on about losses. That you know, like we said, his his job is to get guys ready for the the, the main team. So um, he has done a fantastic job, given that um, 
you know, he's got roster, shifting roster. He's got, you know, guys coming up uh, or guy, guys coming down from MLS. He's got guys that are battling for positions on the team. You know, we mentioned Cox, you know, last year being such a main contributor this year, not coming in quite in form. And so, you know, sitting and, uh, you know, I'm having to work his way back in. And then, you know, Dequa having an excellent season so far. So it, it, there's a lot of moving pieces that has to be taken into consideration when he's, and, and it changes week to week mm-hmm. Absolutely. for him. So, I mean, that's, he's, he's probably, uh, he, he has a more difficult job, you know, maybe than coach Christ does. So, um, you know, from, from that respect, uh, the, the one thing I will say is, you know, you were talking about the, the inconsistency in, you know, some of that, the, the one thing that he or at least the inconsistency in the in the scoring. The one thing he has had this year is consistency in goal. Yeah. Uh, Earl, Earl Edwards Jr. has been fantastic. Um, he is, um, as he should be, as somebody who's had time up in MLS, um, he is playing at a level he should be within that league. Is he going to get them all? Of course not. Um, I don't think anybody, it, it, you know, it's soccer. I mean, there's there's going to be, you know, Bendit could go down there and he's going to get scored on. Um but, uh, you know, Earl's done a fantastic job, and uh, I think he's one of the reasons that there's uh, hope for he, – he's going to give them time to, to, to develop the rest of it. Yeah, Earl's been an interesting guy to watch. I mean, um, you know, he's – you've seen that he's just an incredible shot stopper. Yep. He's, he's made some saves. He probably doesn't have much business making. Uh, which is some, some similar to what we've seen from Joe Bendick from time to time, uh, making just an incredible save. But you also could see why Earl hasn't gotten MLS games also. You've seen that he's he struggles in distribution at times. His, 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 uh, his goal kicks are not always very accurate, sometimes flying way off the field and other times getting popped way up. Uh, so he's got some inconsistency issues there. And also... Coming out to challenge guys, he's been beaten five hole three times. He's been nutmegged for goals three times this season. Yeah. So um, you see some of the holes in his game that he's working on, and you see why he's, you know, you know why the club wanted to get him games and get him down to OCB and get him a full season of getting regular work. And I think these are the types of things that if he cleans them up, he certainly has shown that he can stop shots well enough to play in MLS. He just has to get the rest of his game down like that. And, and so we go back to exactly what we were talking about. The entire purpose of OCB is to do just that, to right. take a guy like Earl Edwards and develop him. Mm-hmm. Hey, great. That's what we're doing. <laughs> so that's what he's there for. And, uh, you know, he'll he'll get as many games as, as they can possibly give him. I don't think we'll see a whole lot of Jake Fenlayson unless uh, uh, something happens to Earl. So, and in fact, I think we're going to see some Josh Saunders appearances down there. Uh, with uh, with a, a season-long loan that with with the right of recall, uh, there was a little bit of a delay. They they announced the move, but there's a delay with the uh, the paperwork going through on that, and right. um, and, and it, that should happen though. That should happen where where uh, Josh Saunders uh, will get to play down there. Seb Hines actually played 45 minutes in that St. Louis game last week, and he played very very well, in fact. And and yep. it's you know I <laughs> people on our chat boards. Are always talking. Well, I don't want Seb to play under any circumstances. Like, you know, I just don't think that people realize that nobody in this country has seen the healthy Seb Hines play for Orlando City yet. He has—he's just been struggling with that knee since he got here. Yeah. He finally got it cleaned up, and I really thought he looked good in that first half last week. And of course, it was USL. It wasn't 
MLS level, but you know, he, his movement was good. He was, he was placing passes very well. You know, some of his passes, even the long balls were very good, very accurate. And, uh, he, he just looked like he was in command and it's nice to see in his first action back all year. Well, and this is the other thing that, you know, the, the B team is about is okay. So like I said, Seb's been hurt. So he goes, he gets that cleaned up. He comes back in. Okay. He's down on OCB. He's down on OCB to work his way back up to the MLS squad. I mean, let's have no doubt that, uh, you know, he's, he's not ready to give up. So, I mean, he, that's what he's going to be doing. And, uh, if he is indeed, you know, healthier and looking good, um, and able to do it, he's going to get his chance to, you know, come up and, and, and see if he can get back on the 18. Yeah. And, and the, the important thing is that people should want Seb Hines to be good because they should want him to be ready. They should want him to be, uh, as good as he can be, because at some point he may be called on, you know, by the MLS team, it, you know, obviously we would love to have Spectre and we would love to have aha or, or Redding in that other spot. But, you know, if Redding goes off to the U20 world cup and somebody tweaks something, you know, Seb's going to be needed. So that's right. Uh, and especially with this, the schedule that's coming up, they're going to need to play multiple, multiple center backs. I, I assume that Tommy will play maybe Wednesday and Saturday. And then I think he'll go off to the, uh, to the USU 20 team. And uh, then Ho- Jose hopefully will at that point have, have gotten some minutes and, and uh, be able to step in and, and resume his role uh, but again, it's, if Tommy's going to be gone for close to a month with the with the World Cup going on, uh, you know, Seb's going to be on the bench. He's going to be the first guy called. So um, hopefully he'll be able to relax and maybe get some minutes uh, with OCB during this stretch. And hopefully uh, they won't need him, but hopefully he'll be ready if they do need him. Exactly. All right. So uh, why don't we if we're going to talk about OCB, Dave, why don't we talk with somebody that knows a little bit about OCB. Who's that? Uh, I think we can talk to our special guest, Anthony Pulis, and he'll probably have plenty of opinions that are a lot smarter than ours about Orlando City B. So why don't we get to that interview right after this? All right, uh, joining us now on the Mainland Podcast is Orlando City B head coach Anthony Pulis. Uh, Anthony, uh, thanks for being coming back to the podcast, and uh, you know, thanks for being with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, you've had a chance to see your team now for you know several games. You got a nice little break here in the season, and I just wanted to start out by asking you, you know, obviously it is what it is in terms of of playing. Uh, a different lineup almost every night. But, uh, you know, what are your thoughts so far on, on how your team has responded, particularly after a couple of tough games to start the season? Uh, how is it coming together for you? Good. We've been fairly pleased with how we've progressed and um, gone on as, as the season's gone on. I think, I think we've slowly got better. I think when we looked at the schedule and we saw, we saw at Tampa and um, home versus Louisville, we knew the first two games were probably going to be against the two best teams in the conference and it was always going to be a very difficult start and that didn't surprise me to be honest. I don't think we performed anywhere near what we're capable of in those two games. Um, and then after that we've we kind of we had a good a good performance and a good win against Toronto. Um, then we drew with Charlotte, um, which was a, a decent performance and obviously we had that road trip then where we went to New York Red Bulls, Harrisburg, Bethlehem and we came through that three game road trip um, pretty well with the 
win the loss to tie and some decent performances. And obviously we came back home and, and drew with St. Louis last week, which we probably could have won. So when I when I reflect on the eight games, um, I think there's some good things and not so good things, which is probably where I thought we'd be at this stage. I mean, we can definitely improve in possession of the ball. Um, defensively, we've we've been pretty solid in the last two games, which has been really pleasing to shut out. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased where we're at, but I know we've we've got a lot of improvement um, to go as, as we progress through the season. Uh, speaking of the uh, defense, um, Earl Edwards Jr. has uh, seemed to be playing very, very well uh, for you guys right now. What are your, your thoughts on him and how he's developing? Yeah, Earl's been excellent. Um, I mean, I've I've made it clear in, in most of the interviews I've done with people asking how impressed I've been with him. Not just his performances on the field, but the way he's been around the group. Um, he's really kind of taken on a leadership role and he's one of the older players in the group and um, having a little bit of experience, obviously being in and around the MLS team for a couple of years now has helped. And I think he's been chomping at the bits of play. He's not obviously had that many professional games under his belt. And he knew and, and realised at the start of this year that this was a really important year for him to get professional games in. Because you can do as much training as you want. There's, there's only so much you can do and only so much you can learn in training. Um, and then obviously you have to then play those games to, to put into practice what you've been doing on the training field. And um, I think he's performed very well. Um, but I think he'd be the first to say that, um, especially in the last couple of games, the people in front of him have been defending well as well. And, we hope that he doesn't have as much to do um, on a game-to-game basis as what he's had to do so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've been pleased with him, and long may it continue. You know, Anthony, um, every season brings surprises with it, and I think that um, you know, there's the first couple of games uh, were tough games for Michael Cox, a guy that was here last year and scored a lot of goals last year, um, and, and he's sort of. Uh, fallen by the wayside a little bit. And, and then Albert Dequa has come in and, and shown some real signs of, of being a, a talented young player. So some maybe some some surprising results in both directions. Can you just talk a little bit about how, uh, you know, Michael Cox is, is getting along and, and what's going on with him? And, and then also a little bit about the, the emergence of, of, of Albert, uh, you know, in the in the striker position. Yeah, well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. There's, there's always going to be surprises. There's always going to be things that, that come up that you don't kind of expect as the season goes on, as you have games. And you always go through preseason and have sort of an idea in your head of, of what your starting group might be. And nine times out of ten, that always changes after a few games due to performances, injuries, um, suspensions, whatnot. And I think if you look at Coxie, he had uh, he had knee surgery in the off-season. So he came into pre-season um, behind um, drastically fitness-wise um, to the rest of the group. But to be fair to him, to his credit, he worked hard and he, he hardly missed a training session and played in the games and, and did okay. Um, and then he obviously started the he started the first two games at Tampa and, and versus Louisville. And by his own admission, didn't didn't really perform to the level that we would expect him to perform. And one of our main objectives this off-season was to bring in some more firepower. Um, and bring in some forwards that we feel like obviously have potential and, and are good players, but to also push Coxie a little bit. Now, as it's happened, Deke was coming to the team and performed really, really well. Um, he scored not only with, his, with the goals that he scored, but his work rate and his pressing and the way he defends from the front um, really sort of exemplifies the way that we want to play him. Um, and I've said it before, 
people talk about defending and think about the back four and the goalkeeper. For me, the defending starts with the front players. Um, and if you've got people like Decor up top who's going to press and, and going to start that off um, really energetically and, and with good intensity levels, it, it then helps the rest of the team defend. So the way that we've, we've kind of tweaked the shape a little bit of late as well means that we're playing with just one striker. So it makes it difficult now when you've got Deke playing well, where do you fit Michael Cox into that? And then especially when Haji Barry comes across in the MLS group, if that's another forward player. Then you've also got Ben Pope added in the mix as well, who's been training really well. Um, and we're hoping to give him an opportunity soon as well. So, um, listen, we're eight games into the season. We've caught all the way through. We have a lot, a lot of games to play, um, a lot of time left. And, and we've had sort of individual meetings with some of the players today. And, and the message to Coxie was keep training hard, keep working hard, keep working on your fitness. And when an opportunity comes up, you have to grab it because we have a lot of competition for places this year. Um, well, obviously, we just touched on Dequa. Um, who else uh, is is coming along uh, development-wise that um, that you've noticed that you would like to uh, to highlight for our listeners? Yeah, I think the other two players that, that spring to mind for me are Austin Marks and Zach Howell. Um, I think Austin's come in and, and performed really well, and he's obviously very, very quick, very explosive, very dynamic. Again, the way that he presses and the way that he works up and down that right-hand side um, is something that I really like and I've really got a lot of time for. Um, again, people look at, at wide players and wingers and, and automatically think about what they do on the ball. Again, me, the way I am, what, what, what I want to see, what work they do off the ball because the way that we play and the way that we, that we press and we defend means that our two wide players have, to, have an awful lot of ground to, to cover and to make up. Um, and when you watch him and you watch the, the work that he puts in, um, it's it's fantastic, and then in possession he's he's gradually got better and is now starting to pick up the pockets and the holes that we wanted to get into when we have the ball. Um, and now the, the final layer is for him to kind of give us some more end product um, with some more quality crosses, final passes, shots on target when he gets in good positions. But he's been a positive, and I'm pleased pleased them. And then Zach Cowell, I think, um, has come in and performed really well too. I think he had one uh, one probably average performance against Louisville. The rest of the games, I think he's been very, very strong for us at the back. Um, when Lewis was out injured, I made him captain because I felt like he deserved it. Um, and he's done exactly what we thought he would do. He, he defends first and foremost. He wins his headers, he wins his tackles, he organises and, and communicates with people around him to make sure people are in the right spots. And, and then in possession, he, he understands what his strengths are um, and, he, and he plays simple. And, um, and he's one that I've been very, very pleased with too. Yeah, we thought you'd put uh, Zach Carroll as captain because he came on the podcast with us. Oh, I didn't realize that. For <laughs> <laughs> the reason, though. So the, uh, the the fixtures came pretty thick and, and fast uh, to start the season, and now you've got this quarter, sort of a, an unusual two-week lull here. Um, you know, yeah. how, how are you approaching this, this two-week break? And, and obviously it's going to give guys like Zach Carroll, you mentioned, had a bit of a tweak. It'll, it'll let him get healthy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, how, are, how are you approaching – this two weeks, is it like a second training camp for the guys? It is, yeah. I mean, the, the first part of it was to give them some days off. So we gave them a couple of days off to, to mentally and physically um, relax, recharge their batteries, because not only did we have a lot of games in a short space of time, but we also had a lot of travel as well. Um, and that's something that, that people don't really talk about. The, the amount of travel that we have to go through um, really sort of um, takes a toll on the guys' bodies. So we were fortunate enough to, like I say, we give them a couple of days off to rest, recharge the batteries, and, and obviously we'd be back in. And, and the focus now is on having really good quality, high-intense training sessions um, where, we can, where we can work on the things that we feel like 
needs working on because when you have so many games in a short space of time, um, you can't do as much training as you want to do. It's, it's literally recovery sessions, um, debriefs, video sessions, um, and then tactical sessions, but have to be light because you can't be doing too much because you don't want the boys to be fatigued and going into games. But now we have this two weeks. We can really use it efficiently and, and spend a good amount of time on the training ground working on things um, individually and collectively that, that we need to do better on when, obviously, hopefully, then for when we get to Cincinnati in two weeks' time. Um, and it's good from a, from a coaching standpoint as well, from my standpoint, to try and almost reflect on how we've been doing things and, and what, what we need to be doing a better job of as a coaching staff going into the, the next portion of the season. Um, well, you mentioned uh, the um, the amount of travel. Of course, uh, you know we we just were able to have a game at home. Um, what are the differences this year versus last year? You know, being in the new stadium, um, you know, having the uh, training there, and and versus uh, being out of town like you guys were last year. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been fantastic playing in the new stadium. Obviously, I mean, it's um, I, I went on record earlier on the season, so I think it's if not the best, one of the best soccer-specific stadiums in the States. And, and we harp on and, and uh, make it clear to the boys all the time how fortunate and how lucky they are to be able to play their home games in such a fantastic stadium. The fact that we don't have to travel very far um, is obviously a bonus as well. And the, the, the only the flip side to that and the negative side, I would say, is now every team that comes to play in our stadium, I think, raises their game a little bit. Because without being disrespectful to any other grounds in, in the USL, this, we, we've got the best stadium in USL, bar none, in my opinion. So teams are going to be coming to our stadium, and all, all right, it's not full. It's not got um, the same amount of fans as what there is on MLS game day, but it's still a fantastic opportunity for these teams to come and showcase their talent. So I do feel like um, it is difficult because teams are, are raising their game a little bit, but you're hoping then that, that brings the best out in our boys too. Now, uh, you know, I watched that Bethlehem game uh, a couple weeks ago here, and, and the thing that stuck out to me was that the team looked a bit, uh, for the first 10, 15 minutes, they looked good, and then and then pretty much most of the first half were kind of under siege, but then they, they really regrouped at halftime and, and poured it on that second half, and, and Richie Larea, of course, led the way with, with those two, uh, you know, crackers that he scored. Um, yeah. How rewarding is that for you as a coach to, to go in and make those types of adjustments and then see your team go out and, and perform so much better in the second half? Yeah, well, I mean, ideally, you don't you don't want to have to do that. You, <laughs> I've, I've said this. We've, we've had a little theme of this. It's been not not in all the games, but in, in a few of them where we've, we've kind of had a, a poor start or a poor first half or a poor first 30 minutes, and then you kind of have to go in and, and readdress things and reinforce points. Um, and then, to be fair to the guys, the reactions after those kind of halftime team talks have, have been really good, which is positive. And like you say, when, when I reflect back, I think, yeah, that, that is great that they've taken on board what we've asked them to do. Um, but obviously, in an ideal world, you, you, you don't want to have to have those conversations. You want to you want to have a really good first 45 minutes, and then your halftime team talk is is easy and just say more of the same guys, please don't don't change anything. But I understand that that that, that happens and. Um, and one of our focuses before the St. Louis game, and one of the messages was, can we have a, a, 90, a, a good 90-minute performance? Not good for 45 or 60 or 75, but a good full 90-minute performance. Um, we probably didn't get that against St. Louis, but it was, it was closer. Um, and that will definitely be the focus uh, moving into the Cincinnati game next weekend. 
uh, uh, well, speaking of you know those challenges, um, how much is the uh, the the shifting roster, you know, obviously guys coming down from the MLS squad. And then um, you talked about the own guys that are trying to earn positions uh, on your squad. How, how much of that is, is impacting that part of the game? It's incredibly difficult. I'm not going to beat around the bush and, and lie. It's, it's very, very tricky from, as a coach um, to have so many changes game to game, but it is what it is. We, we knew the situation. We, we not, this is obviously our second year doing it. Um, and yes, of course, it, it would be great if we could name an unchanged lineup for two games running, but the chances of that happening, I think, are very slim. Um, the important thing from, from my standpoint and, and the OCB player's standpoint, as I've said right from day one, is all we can control is what we do on a daily basis. Um, once we get the players that come across from the MLS group, um, we're expecting them to show a good attitude and, and to buy into to what we're trying to do. Um, and then when once we give them a game plan and, and a way of approaching the game, then we, we're hoping that they can take it onto the field and execute it. Anthony, before we let, we let you go, just wanted to just sort of pick your brain and, and, and ask you what you, you know, what you and Jason Christ sort of meet about on a, on a regular basis. You know, now that you're in season, you both have your teams that you, you've got to get ready for games and you've got to do your, your film study and, and your preparation and all of that. But, you know, what, you know, what do you guys sort of, uh, you know, how react and, and, and um, sort of uh, exchange ideas on a regular basis? How does that go? Yeah, we're, we're in constant contact. I mean, our offices are literally like 10 feet apart. So we're, we're obviously in amongst each other on a daily basis. And our conversations vary from, from uh, individual performances to what we've done in training, um, to the opposition we're coming up against and the tactical challenges that, that they may uh, they may present. Um, I'll ask him questions about um, his kind of game plan and his training sessions and why he's doing certain things. Because at the end of the day, he's a, he's a very experienced coach. I'm, I'm obviously young and, and still have an awful lot of learning to do. So I'm always kind of asking questions and trying to tap into to their knowledge and, and find out what they're doing, why they're doing it, and seeing if I can implement that with our boys. So there's there's constant communication, um, constant sharing of ideas, training sessions, and um, it's it's a fantastic um, setup we've got within the club now. Have you picked up a few things about how to, you know, sort of sort of keep the team motivated? Those those sort of mental things from him as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the biggest motivational tool that. That I can use and I can give our guys is, is do they, they they've got an MLS locker room like feet away. So if if they perform well, especially the OCB boys, if they perform well on a daily basis and in the games, that's that's their challenge. That's where they want to get. And then the MLS guys that that come across and play for us, their challenge is to perform well um, on a daily basis in training and in the OCB games, so that they can get themselves regularly in, in Jason's 18-man game day roster. So from my point of view, um, I think the, the motivational side of it is, is fairly, fairly straightforward. All right, OCB head coach Anthony Pulis, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast, and best of luck to you the rest of the season. No worries. Anytime. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, wow. Uh, definitely big thanks to Anthony Pulis, who's – who's been on, I think, three times now with us on the, on the Mainland Podcast. And he's always uh, a good interview, always very good to talk to. And, um, you know, he's he's always very gracious with his time. So thank, big thanks to Anthony Pillis. And uh, we definitely want uh, OCB to have a very successful 2017 season.
It's almost like he's a professional coach and he knows what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's. He, I, I like that he's he's been accessible for us. He's he's you know he doesn't shy away from the topics you know that we want to talk about and and yeah. uh, you know usually he's he tries not to call anybody out or or you know you know give accolades to any one particular player but you know this particular case he did he you know he was willing to, to do that he likes you know we know that he doesn't want to you know it's a team there's no i in team and all that stuff but um you know it's it is nice to get some candid uh you know opinions on, on how guys are developing and what what guys are going through and what he's seeing and and you know he mentioned austin martz which was kind of cool because he's definitely a guy that if you've watched ocb this year kind of stands out so uh, absolutely and zach carroll as well so and I still think that he 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 got to be captain because he came on the podcast. I, I don't think Anthony Pulis really was was uh, you know in the dark about him being on our podcast. No, of course not. Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's an avid listener every week. Yeah. So thanks again, uh, Coach Pulis. Uh, appreciate you being on. Um, before we get out of here, Dave, we have not one but two games to talk about. Orlando City is is going to Toronto FC, the House of Horrors, BMO Field. <laughs> And uh, also to the Houston Dynamo, two teams that have not lost Dave Rowe. They have not lost at home. And Orlando City has now got to run that gauntlet in within, uh, you know, just a few days of each other. Wednesday, Saturday, quick turnaround, uh, not even coming home, going straight from Toronto on Thursday, flying uh, from Toronto to, to Houston. They're going to train in Houston for a couple days and and play Saturday night. So the second leg especially is going to be difficult because they'll have been away from home for a week just about so uh your thoughts on toronto your key matchup and your score prediction okay so toronto um like you said house of horrors um the the scores there have been uh, well horrific (laughs) um i'm uh okay so key matchup uh obviously they've got uh giovinko and altador there who have uh you know altador's been playing exceptionally well uh you can never uh close your eyes on Giovinco. so um my key matchup is is those guys against our revamped back line um how how do we um whether the the onslaught of those two let's you know say it what it is um you know exceptional level uh strikers in in mls um so that's that's my key matchup uh, for the first time this year, I think I'm going to predict an Orlando City loss. I think uh, going on the road to Toronto, um, the challenges that uh, poses just on the road in general, but also in Toronto where we, we don't seem to do very well. Um, I'm looking at a, a 2-1 loss and... Um, it's I, I can't even figure out who's going to score the goals, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I am I'm, I'm kind of with you on this. Uh, I, I definitely predicted two one. I already wrote my uh, already wrote my how to watch. I already talked to to uh, the, the folks at uh, Waking the Red, our, our SPN uh, Toronto FC blog. And that was my prediction was 2-1 Toronto, um, which would be a much closer game than what we've seen some of those games up there be. I mean, Orlando <laughs> City has lost 4-1 to up there. They've lost 5-0. Um, and then, you know, since Jason Christ came in, they also had a 0-0 draw up there. So I'm very hopeful that the team can play good defense 
and you know they haven't really faced a striker like Josie Altidore this year. Not that there are many in MLS like him. Uh, with just his combination of, of strength and speed and quickness, and I mean, it's like facing Kyle Lahren kind of in a, in a lot of ways. It really uh, is, an, yeah. An experienced Kyle Lahren. Uh, right. So, and he's got five goals against Orlando City. So he's he likes to feast on Orlando City. Uh, Gio, Giovinco, I think, has four goals, five assists against Orlando City. So, you know, you would think that I would say, well, it's our back line against those two guys. But I'm going to say Orlando City's key matchup is the midfield. They have to hold the ball. They have to not concede possession and allow Giovinco and, and Josie and Victor Vasquez and Raheem Edwards and guys like that to just rain balls into to Josie outdoor, because at some point he will beat you uh, no matter how good Jonathan Spector is playing at some point, he's just going to make a better play. So my key matchup is in the midfield. Can Orlando city hold the ball, not turn the ball over Keep Michael Bradley from getting on the ball and turning and, and you know and turning the, the attack uh, forward, you know that kind of thing. I, I would like to see the Michael Bradley that turns the ball over all the time when he's playing for the, for the U.S. National, National, National Team. team. Yeah. yeah, that that's the Michael Bradley I want to see uh, on yeah. Wednesday night. But um, uh, two yeah. to one sounds sounds like a you know a, a likely scoreline, um, just given the fact that Orlando City doesn't score a lot of goals. I mean, it's it's rare for Orlando this year to to get. I mean, they haven't had more than two in any game, and um, it's not going to be very easy against a, a Toronto team that, quite frankly, I think a lot of people sleep on their defense. They've only given up seven goals in eight games. So um, I think Toronto is a better defensive team than what people think, and a lot of that is because they're very good at taking the ball away and holding the ball and then giving it to those those uh, really, really dangerous guys up top. So, um, Well, and we've said it before. I mean, both of us have... have said that uh you know michael bradley well you know maybe not a uh a world-class uh midfielder is is certainly within mls he's 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 definitely a good midfielder so yeah. you know uh it, not enough people giving him credit and uh like you said i, I really hope it's the one that showed <laughs> up you know at the last world yeah. cup and you know, gave away balls and stuff now, like that. i mean and I, i'll say this too I, I give michael bradley a hard time as much as anybody but i he he really is a good player in in and yeah, he's tried to probably do more than he should do uh, for the U.S. team, and then I don't think he was proper, properly used, uh, you know, by Jurgen Klinsmann. Imagine that, him not using a, a guy properly, so that hasn't helped. But um, no, yeah, and and he is, uh, you know, he 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 gets paid. He's he's not just getting paid because of his name. That's I mean, right. he doesn't get paid because of that. He gets paid because of uh, how he plays and his leadership and and the uh, the little things that he does. Um, you know. Um, I, a little bit Will Johnson-ish. I mean, he's he's a you know longtime pro. He he knows the game. He does things right. Um, I just hope that he doesn't do them right in this game on tonight. Yeah, he's a good player, and it's going to be a very very difficult road for Orlando City, and it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they change shape. Now Houston went up there and didn't have a, a very good game playing the diamond midfield. So no, they um, lost two nothing. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think that that's the diamonds' fault because Orla- uh, Toronto's going to come at you with their 3-5-2 um they're going to try to take away the wide spaces but that's what the diamond gives you anyway so right. um i don't necessarily think it was the diamond i think houston had a bad game and i also think toronto's very good at home and they're in form right now so i think that was the the bigger point uh but it will be interesting to see if jason christ changes something up just because 
Um, you know, if you've got these, these, these thick, fast fixtures, you know, Toronto's had an opportunity to see Orlando City play the Diamond. They've just played against the Diamond team. Might be a time to change the shape a little bit. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what Jason Christ comes up with. Uh, we won't have to wait long to see it because it'll happen Wednesday night. and uh, Which is tonight. It's tonight if you're listening to this thing when it just drops. And uh, if you're listening to it a day late, you've already missed it. You've already, you know, <laughs> you're already, you're already, already in the past. Yeah. That's right. And you're probably skipping through this part because you, are, you don't care about our predictions for a game that already happened in your world. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, so we both have a 2-1 uh, Toronto win. I would be extremely happy to get a point out of this game. I, I hope that we are wrong. Is this the first time that we've agreed on a score? Uh, I think we have agreed on a score before and okay. uh, earlier in the season. but uh, Okay, I think we did early on, but yeah. not, not many times. Yeah, not it hasn't happened much. Um, because you, you've been very generous of late. You've been like, oh, yeah, no, I'm Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait. Now, if I've been generous, I've also been right. That's true. And I think it was interesting that we both had a, an element of correctness last week because I predicted Kaká getting a, a goal off the bench. So and, that was kind and... of cool. I predicted the score and I predicted Rivas, but then I predicted, you know, Giles because he was on the podcast. Yeah. But then you were right in that Kaká would come off the bench, get the goal. And so that was the, the, the perfect conglomeration of predictions that <laughs> amounted to a win. And uh, I think we can get all the credit in the world on that. Yeah, I, I think it's total luck. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So let's turn our attention toward the Houston Dynamo. We, I, I haven't seen Houston that much. I've seen highlights of their games, but I haven't actually gotten to sit and watch one of their complete games. But I do know that Eric Kubo Torres is on fire with seven goals uh, to start the season. He has absolutely been been uh, returning to form, and he's going to be tough. And again, Houston has not lost at home. They haven't really been that good on the road, but they have. That's that's an MLS thing. <laughs> Nobody's really good on the road, but. Uh, They've been they've been a tough out at home, and um, it's going to be another difficult one. Especially like I said, Orlando City left Tuesday. They will have been on the road then by Saturday. They will have been on the road so for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, in two different countries, a couple of different <laughs> couple of different time zones, and will have played just a few ga- days earlier, uh, and then a couple of days uh, to get acclimated to Houston. Uh, with the, you know, obviously we have heat and humidity here and Houston has a a similar climate, but uh, it's still a road game and uh, BBVA Compass Stadium is uh, a tough place for visitors to get results. In fact, here's an interesting thing about this series. Nobody has scored a goal for their team in this series. Orlando City went there in 2015 and Tyler Derrick scored an own goal. I remember that. The only goal of the game. Last year was a nil-nil draw at Camping World Stadium. So no one in this series has scored a goal for their team yet. Does that happen this time, Dave Rowe? And what is your key matchup? I may have to, you know, uh, I didn't realize that. I may have to, in the time it takes me to to talk about key matchups, I may have to revise my score here. But anyway, um, the the other person for, uh, uh, player for, um, Houston has been good. Uh, Ellis has been uh, scoring some goals as well. Mm-hmm. They are uh, fourth currently in the Western Conference at 4-1-3. Uh, they are four wins, one draw at home right now, as you said. They have not lost there. Um, my key is uh, actually the, the key you had for Toronto, which is um, the the midfield. Um, so uh, us controlling uh, the, the play in the midfield, 
um, breaking down their defense because obviously they are tough at home. Um, but I think that that's going to start. Um, that's going to start in the midfield, and uh, hopefully, if depending on who we have in, if uh, especially having Kaká back, you know, depending on how fit he is for, you know, depending on how long he's going to go, if they can start to break that down, move the ball in, allow. Uh, Laren and Rivas to maybe uh, get some shots on goal. I think that'll help. I'm not as worried about uh, the back line. I think they'll be solid in this game. Um, that brings me to my prediction. My original prediction is, and I'm going to stick with it just because I I think that uh, Orlando is is good enough to score a goal pretty much any time they get on the field. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw in Houston. And uh, while it's not the road trip that we would like, we will still get a point out of that one. I'm going to have to start giving my predictions first because that's exactly what <laughs> I was going to predict. In fact, I, I, I predicted it on the Peel, which is the the Dynamo Theory podcast. Uh, a 1-1 draw is, was my also my, uh, my prediction. I think that each team will finally score a goal for their team in this series because they're both overdue. Uh, it would be very interesting, though, if, if Orlando City could, could keep Houston from scoring, that would be two teams that in three tries had not scored a goal against Orlando City because Colorado has not scored a goal yet against Orlando City in MLS play. So uh, it, was a, it was a 2-0 win against Colorado in 2015, a 0-0 draw last year at, at their place, and a 2-0 draw on Saturday. So uh, Colorado has not scored a goal against Orlando City and been outscored 4-0 in the series. So... Uh, this would be a second time for that happening, and it would be great if Orlando City can go in there and keep a clean sheet, but that's very difficult to do on the road. Um, I think for me, the key matchup is going to have to be Rivas and Laren against their back line and goalkeeper. Can Orlando finally get on the goal on the score sheet against the Houston Dynamo? And and I think they're going to have to they're going to have to be very dynamic for that to happen, and it's going to be very difficult with tired legs. Uh, after a week-long road trip. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see how Jason Kreis uh, rotates the squad, how he tries to keep guys fresh. Uh, will maybe Giles Barnes go back to Houston and, and be the hero against his old team? Uh, that's certainly a possibility because, uh, you know, if, if Rivas plays uh, the bulk of the game Wednesday, we could, could certainly see Giles Barnes start that game uh, on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, for me, 1-1. And it's it's the Orlando City strikers against the the uh, back line of of Houston because you gotta you gotta have a breakthrough. So that's the way I see it. Well, it's funny where uh, we we predicted the same exact scores and then we predicted the exact opposite reasons for those uh, results in in the back to back games, which is just shows you how important you know both areas of the field are in both of these games. So um, it's I think I have a lot of uh, faith in coach uh, and, and, and not only faith in him, but also that the, uh, the depth that we now have that previously we didn't um, like you said, I mean, okay. Uh, last week, you know, you had Rivas on the bench and Kaka on the bench and they came off and provided that. Well, you know, this time let's assume that they're starting. Well, you know, Giles has been great this year. So, I mean, he can come off the bench and, and, you know, Pegida or whoever. I mean, there's we've got more depth uh, right now than than we've least seemingly had before uh, as far as quality depth, and I think that that helps a lot. Um, 
two game road trip within, you know, four days is tough, no matter what's going on. When you're away from home, like you said, two different countries, uh, two different, you know, time zones and two different com- climates. Um, that's, that's difficult in MLS, no matter what you do. Um, but, uh, if, if we can come out, with, out of there with a point, I'll be happy. If we can come out with two points, I'll be really happy. If we come out with more than that, I, I, I think we'll have a, you and I will have a party next week on the podcast. So, I'll go one better. Two different MLS referees that have not been our friends in the past. Uh, uh, Baldomero Toledo at Toronto. You may recall him as the guy who called a handball on Servando Carrasco when the ball hit him in the chest. Oh, yes. Uh, last year against New England. And also um, Soren Stoika uh, on Saturday. You may recall him as the guy who sent Kaká off at RSL in 2015. Uh. <laughs> so. It just gets better and better. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to, to, to see. I really hope uh, we're wrong this al- week. I just Although uh, Soren Stoika actually was the referee, I believe, for a win over New York City FC, I believe, this year. So, uh, But I think he also booked four guys on the on Orlando City in that game. So Okay, uh, I've, been, <laughs> I've been right a couple weeks in a row. And as a matter of fact, my friend, he goes, keep predicting wins. And I was just like, yeah, but I can't do it that way. I really hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong this week. Yeah, it would. It would you know, for me, would, what would be a successful road trip for you? For, for me to get two points on this road trip would be a, a good road trip. Well, and that's what I was just saying. I mean, uh, you know, I expect one. If we get two, I think that's great. Uh, if it's any more than that, then it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's we're having a party. Yeah, uh, it's gravy. Yeah, it's, it's gravy. So if we, can, if we can get two, that's a very successful road You know, if we look at it, you know, for that OCB road trip where they were one, one, and one, if we if we can get, uh, you know, two draws um, uh, during this road trip, you know, if we if we get two points or three points, uh, it, absolutely successful road trip, you know, before we, yeah. you know, come back home. And for people that think we're being negative for uh, six and one, I mean, it's just the reality of playing on the road in MLS. It's very difficult to get results and you're go- you're asking a team in the space of a week to play against two teams that have, that have not lost a game at home. So, and people will say, well, they haven't played Orlando City yet, which is true. And I really haven't actually done a real deep dive to see who they have played. But I do know this: it's if teams can, if if those teams are as good at their home, just about as Orlando City is at its home, which according they, to their records, they <laughs> almost are. Yeah. So then you then you kind of see what they're up against, and and to do it on the road is is uh, uh, and, and do it with tired legs. That's that's not is. It's not ideal, but, not like that, but you know, I will say this team has more heart and more spirit than we've seen in the last couple of years, more leadership, more depth, uh, better coaching. I would say uh, that this team has an opportunity, Absolutely. And whether or not the, whether or not they can take advantage of the of the chances they get. Um, you know, they're going to need some breaks in these games to, to to get results. But if they if they take their chances and and you know, make the plays they need to make. They're certainly capable. We're not going to say they're not, but no, you know, when you're in the prediction business, you you try to be, you know, base it on logic and facts and that kind of thing. And I I was just going to say, I was, uh, you know, look, we both hope that we're wrong. And we both have said several times that, uh, you know, we believe in this team and, and that there is a different aura about them and they're a different mentality. Uh, but, that being said, if um, if if they can, we don't just make this stuff up, guys. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I I've got a 
notepad in front of me. Michael's probably got a notepad in front of them. We've got computers open. We don't just do this on a whim. You know, we, we actually go and and before we come on these podcasts, we actually we, we do we do a little we bit. We give it some thought. We give it, we some, give thought. it some thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. you know, I've I had all these predictions written down ahead of time. So it's it's not that we're you know, we're not just, you know, pulling stuff out of a, a, a hat to use a right. better term than you know what I was actually, and I and I'm I go on record elsewhere, and I you know and I give my prediction, and it's the same prediction. I don't like just play to the audience and you say, okay, I'll I'll pick Orlando City for the for the mainland, and then when I when I do my Q and A exchange with the other blog, I'll pick them. I don't do that. I I try to really be as accurate as I can. I, I, mostly it's a gut thing, but I I base it on what I'm what I'm seeing in terms of run of form. And you know how teams are doing, and then also past history plays a big role in it. I, I'm I'm always big on on looking at, at how teams have performed in the past against each other, because you you do see patterns. I mean that's of why I, I can say that's why I can say you know I expect to get decent results against New York City, even though they're a good team, and you know sometimes I don't predict uh, I don't predict good things to happen with <laughs> Toronto because we've just absolutely gotten curb stomped by them. And you know, you're going to see it when we play Seattle. I'm not going to pick, right. I'm not going to pick Orlando city against Seattle. We to win we, that game. We, we look at, at history. We look at where the game is being played. We look at what happened yeah. last game. We look at who they got up next. We, you know, they're, so, you know, uh, although, you know, I don't think anybody's out there thinking we're homers, but I do think that people say, Oh, you know, they're being negative, but I'm not trying to be that. I'm really just trying to be as, as realistic yeah as realistic and as accurate as it can be now i may be completely inaccurate and it might go either way i might they might beat us four nil or we, or we could turn that around and beat them and you know we keep saying we hope we're wrong yeah well we hope we're wrong in the correct direction yeah, well yes i mean we, we don't <laughs> yeah. hope that we're wrong and that they kill us we hope we're wrong yeah. and that we win yeah. um you know and and if if for those of you who have been listening you know last couple of times you know i've i've gone and I've taken what I've is in my head and I've changed it to what was in my heart. And the last couple of weeks, my heart's been right. And I'm grateful for that. But, um, you know, uh, unfortunately my head and my heart are in the same place this week. So, yeah. all right. Well, you know, that's probably all we need to say about it. We'll see what happens. And then, uh, you know, if people want to make fun of us because Orlando City comes back with six points, I'm, I'm okay with it. Hey, you know what? If, if they come back with six points, I expect <laughs> them to make fun of us. And if they don't, yeah, I'll actually be ahead. disappointed. And that will go into my my predictions in the future. If they come back with six points on this trip, I'll be more apt to pick them you know, in the future. We will take that <laughs> into know? consideration. Yeah, exactly. That will, go, that, will, that will go into the formula. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that will just about do it for episode number 84 of the Mainland Podcast. You know, Dave, if I were a listener and not a co-host of this podcast, uh -huh. I would subscribe on iTunes. I would subscribe to this podcast and I would give it a five-star rating and I would write a really cool review about how much I like it. And I'm hoping that the people that listen to this do that as well. You know what's amazing is I'm an Android guy and I still would go on iTunes and give us a good rating and subscribe. So, you know, that's how awesome. that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So uh, hopefully people will do that. Hopefully they're reading our stuff on the mainland.com. That's T H E M A N E L A N D.com. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at the mainland. And uh, we'll be back next week to break down the Orlando city at Toronto FC match. Also the Orlando city at the Houston dynamo game as well. Uh, we will have, no OCB to talk about next week because they're still going to be on their break. 
Uh, and we will talk about the Pride at FCKC as well. So there's, there's still going to be some, some games to talk about. We'll find a new uh, guest between now and then to, to talk to. And, um, and we'll, we'll give our predictions for the following week. And we'll, we'll keep doing this. We've got two. Uh, this is a double game week. And then two of the next three after this are double game week. So we've, we're going to have pretty busy time over the next month. What we're saying is you're going to have to listen to more of us talking. <laughs> we're gonna have, yeah well uh hopefully you will want to because hopefully they'll keep it going and, and it'll be all positive fun stuff to talk about so uh but we'll find out next week and, and within the next uh, several days we'll see what transpires at bmo field and at bbva compass stadium all of the places with initials find we're gonna play at all the places <laughs> with with initials in the next week so um We'll be back next week to break it all down. And until then, on behalf of Dave Rowe, I am Michael Citro from TheMainland.com, signing off, as I always do, by saying, Go City! <laughs>